0: Before this episode begins, I wanted to let you know that we're starting a new support group for adoptive parents called Aptitude. It's for adoptive parents and foster parents who are facing adoptions challenges. Please find our website at safehomefamilies.com slash aptitude. Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast. For struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Cyberson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Our safe home has four pillars, addiction, mental health, adoption, and diversity. Today we're going to be focusing on the addiction pillar. This episode is very special for two reasons. Number one, because Joey's with us for this one. yay! And number two, it's going to be a three-way conversation with me, Joey, and our life coach, Heather Ross. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you've probably heard me mention her, or you might have heard her on one of her two episodes we've already published, number 10 and number 34. First, a bit of background about Heather in case you haven't heard those other episodes. She's a mother who is willing to do whatever it took to support and have a healthy relationship with her daughter who struggled with addiction. Supporting her daughter taught her to focus on their similarities instead of their differences, be present as a mother, and love her daughter unconditionally for the 21 short years she had on this earth. After her daughter lost her life to fentanyl poisoning last year, Heather became even more dedicated to helping families heal. Her clients call her an expert at teaching them how to create peace of mind, space for change, and loving connection in their families. In addition to being a parent support coach, Heather has over 20 years of experience in the recovery community and hosts the Living With Your Child's Addiction podcast, which I highly recommend you go listen to after you hear this episode. (laughs) And just a bit of a background about Joey, in case you haven't listened to every single episode. (laughs) Joey currently lives with his dad, but he and I are closer than ever because of what I've learned from Heather and from the book Beyond Recovery about the craft method. Joey's still struggling with substances, but he's more stable than he's ever been he has a job. He's had it for a month, Woohoo! and he's getting help for his core issues. I'm very proud of how Joey's managing his life despite his many challenges. In today's Safe Home episode, we'll be talking about how the CRAFT method has helped our family, and you'll hear from both sides, the parent side from me and Heather, and the teen side from Joey. CRAFT is an acronym that stands for Community Reinforcement and Family Training. This is the approach that is scientifically proven to get more people into recovery than the old-fashioned approaches like tough love and interventions. The basis of craft is the positive rewards that the loved one heaps on the addicted person when they are doing favorable behaviors. A key concept in craft is that the relationship is more important than their sobriety. This method shifted our family so much that I credit it to keeping our son alive for these past few years. I'm very excited to share our personal experience with a craft approach with you. If you have a loved one who's addicted to any substance or behavior, this will be a really important episode for you to hear. Please pass this episode along to anyone you know who might be in that situation. Thank you for being on the pod, Joy, to share your story. Of
1: course. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think your perspective is important for other parents to hear and other kids too. Yeah. So, well, let's start off with just a quick overview of where we've been with Joey, Joey started with at age 15 with a suicide attempt that woke me up big time. And we found out right after that that he had been using substances for a couple of years. Yeah. For about a year after that, I went around trying to fix Joey. And how, how did that feel to you, Joey?
1: It felt like a lot of weight on my shoulders. I just had the suicide attempt and then now I'm like trying to get better. How am I going to get better with all this pressure? it was a lot of from, from my head. So yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So for about a year, I ran Joy around to every psychiatrist, psychologist, a uh, new age guru, anyone I could find that could help quote unquote fix him. But then in desperation, a friend told me about getting a life coach and we found Heather. Thank goodness. Cause she understands what it's like to have a child with addiction. And Heather taught us the model and the craft method, and it completely transformed our family. Now, how's it been since then?
1: It took a long time, uh, a lot of work to get to where I am right now. But before you guys started doing the work, and before I was started to do the work, it was just a lot of chaos, just a bunch of chaos. Like that time, I don't remember, I think, because it's almost like trauma to me. Mm -hmm. And the work, like I didn't give help until it took a long time to land with Miguel, right?
0: Yeah, around the same time we met Heather, we also met Miguel. So that yeah. all kind of coincided. Miguel's helped you so much, huh?
1: Yeah. And then that work that we've done, at first, it was still chaotic, a lot of chaos, mm-hmm. but less chaos. And then built up relapses and stuff, but then we handled them better than last time. Mm-hmm. And it's now become a place where I can use and work at a job and have a girlfriend that's starting to do the work, getting therapy and doctor appointments. It's it's amazing. It's like, I did not think I could be here. My brain is nowhere where it used to be. I feel like I have really destroyed my brain with the drugs I've
0: used. Your cognitive ability is pretty impaired, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're still in there. I can tell you're in there, but your brain is slower than normal and Mm -hmm. it's hard for you to remember stuff.
1: Yeah and especially with my surprise is that I quit on the first. So I think a lot of the sweat and stuff if you if this is on camera is probably from the withdrawals and uh it sucks and it it's just one of those times but it feels like this time it feels like I'm going to do it for good. Maybe I might have that occasional bowl or something like that, but it's not like I'm going to be using it like I used to just a couple of weeks ago, like daily it's getting to a point where I, I just think of work every morning. I'm like, I want to go to work.
0: Ah.
1: It's, it's, I never thought I could get to this point of change and I'm able to see a future, I mm-hmm. guess.
0: Yeah. You've had a really good couple of weeks. You you've been working for this new job for three weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. The longest I broke the record.
0: Yeah, I know. Three weeks. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And so that's really helped stabilize you. And yeah. now you're three days without, what was your drug of
1: choice? The latest drug of choice is cannabis. It slows your brain down. But it's like to me, I think it more of a psychedelic.
0: Mm-hmm. And the amounts that you were using it.
1: Exactly. But to normal people, it's just like you slows your brain down. That's probably what I was getting is that slowing? but now I'm detoxing from that. Three days is what you chemically you are detoxed, uh-huh. but you're going to be very like, angry agitated this is the day where people relapse for cannabis Uh and then this is the day i have to push through this is the next milestone that i have to break
0: Uh uh-huh yeah well and we're recording on this auspicious day
2: that feels pretty Mm -hmm. good (laughs) yeah can we explain who miguel is and the kind of work he does because i like that that's a little bit It's not the traditional Mm -hmm. path. And I love sharing that there's all kinds of avenues to getting help. And that's, what's helped you the most.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, Miguel is, I consider my spiritual guide. He really is just a very forward thinking therapist or person who understands trauma and how trauma is where chaos kind of spreads from Mm -hmm. in, in later in life, in the person's life. He understands that. So he works with people and, shows them the deeper wounds and how to deal with those instead of dealing with the problems, Mm -hmm. dealing with the trauma, not the problem.
0: going right to the root. Yeah. Yeah. We had tried so many psychiatrists and therapists and rehabs and treatments, and none of them would go anywhere near Joey's early childhood trauma, which was primarily from being adopted. And also I divorced his dad when Joey was four, which kind of exacerbated everything.
1: With that one... Therapist. There was obviously trauma right in front, right in front that family issue right there. But then he focused on weed. Yeah. Yeah. And then it brought the whole family down.
0: Yeah. So we were so happy when we found Miguel and Joey connected with him so deeply. And he, he does something called the practice is called guided core integration you know, he doesn't have a license. He's not a therapist. He didn't go to school for this. He he got guided by his own guide. Right. Yeah. So nothing against people who are licensed at all. I mean, that that's really valid in everything, but sometimes you find people that are off the beaten path, like Heather was saying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've done a lot of alternative work for myself, working with energy healers and Helena, you know, I had her working with them too. So, and that's was kind of a also a bridge to connection with us Mm. as well
0: yeah Mm.
1: if you don't mind me asking what type of energy work
2: we did reiki energy healing that kind and we worked with a couple of different energy healers because each one is very different we would go to sound baths together which is a really deep meditation
1: i was thinking about sound baths i i've always been interested what is that? And where do you go in your mind?
2: Well, I think that every person has a very different experience, Yeah. but it helps you get into a really deep meditative state. I've had a lot of experiences with it that were pretty intense that I would Mm. say are similar almost to what some I've heard other people experienced with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. So you can go to a very deep meditative state and really experience things that you wouldn't be able to experience trying to meditate Mm -hmm. on your own yeah so i've I've gotten a lot of answers Mm -hmm. through wow energy healing
1: it helps you deep deepen your meditative state is that's the goal
2: yeah absolutely like because you can get into a deeper meditation and stay there longer oh wow with the sound bath than most people could mm-hmm. on their own without, you know, you can just go to a sound bath and get into a, a deeper state than somebody who say practices every day for a long time.
1: Yeah. And vibration, like with sound and me personally with music, but sound is especially so powerful, especially with those frequencies, those frequencies yeah. are moving your body, vibrating your body I don't understand that. I want to understand that. Science,
0: yeah, it's really cool. That's for later. I've been listening to binaural beats. Yes. Yeah,
1: that's... Those are amazing. I love those.
0: It makes me feel so relaxed. I don't know what they're doing in my brain, but it feels good. And Isn't that
1: frequencies too? Yeah. And, hertz and all that stuff. Wow.
0: Yeah. I listen to those too. Yeah, they're really wow. good stuff. Well, let's talk about the things that I learned from Heather that helped make our transition. And I really credit this stuff that we learned from Heather with basically saving our family. I don't know where we'd be. I don't know where Joy would be. I'm not sure if he'd still be alive because he was going down a really bad path with really, really risky behavior. And we were just getting farther and farther apart. And what I had been doing that first year before we met Heather was I had Joy under the microscope and I was trying to fix him. I was just focused only on him. I don't even know how I got through my jobs that year. I kept my jobs, but I don't know what I did, but I I would just do the bare minimum. And every other moment of the day I was trying to find the healing people or some healing modality or or trying to get him to do one thing or another. And one of the first things Heather told us was we need to focus on ourselves and take our focus off of Joey. And at first I was like, what? Joey's the one that needs the help. Oops. Now I know <laughs> that a family issue, right?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that the kind of tiger mom gave me that pressure. Not you, You're not the reason I was using drugs, but it was giving me another pressure to want to numb out.
0: Yeah. I remember one time in the car, he's like, mom, this is making me want to use more. Mm-hmm. And I was mad. <laughs> I'm like, I can't make you want to use, but I took it in after a little while. And I was like, he's telling me what I'm doing is making him want to use more. I better quit doing this and so
1: yeah it's like it was calling out for help like please i I didn't know what i needed but like you are not doing something right
0: yeah whatever it is it's not this (laughs) right
1: exactly (laughs) this is not gonna help (laughs) yeah and once i think you got that message or an angel came to you and gave you this gift of freaking the craft and heather (laughs) and it's like it's so amazing that that's possible to have that change and i'm experiencing it right now
0: Yeah, and it happened quick to me it was a quick shift no it
1: it it was quick Uh, that's what i was thinking is that thank god that you got the um, resources so quick because it could have been so much later Mm -hmm. and i could have been in my 30s or something still in the same place or worse yeah
0: jail i I don't know Mm -hmm. could have been all sorts of different things right yeah, I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that we found Heather and Kraft when we did. You were 16, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about a year after the whole thing started, maybe 17.
1: Yeah, but it paid off. And that's that's it's a great feeling to know that just changing someone's point of view can really help someone, especially if what they were doing and their point of view was hurting them mm-hmm. and the person they were trying to care for.
2: Yeah,
0: it was hurting both of us for sure
1: yeah it was so
0: when we switched to just taking care of ourselves first Mm -hmm. so we were getting our needs met I was getting more rest I was finding things for myself to be happy about that's when I started drumming which is so good for me and we would go to sound baths and things like that and
1: there's a big shift Mm -hmm. big shift in energy Mm -hmm. like I, I know Heather you really dig deep into energy work and I don't understand energy but I felt it I'm really visual so the energy for me was a very dark dark tint to it before Mm -hmm. my experiences under drugs were very dark but when i got out of it the feeling i had no longer under influence of harder drugs that will make me see the colors but Mm -hmm. i felt this sense of lightness and the vibration was thinner Mm -hmm. not as thick yeah and when i closed my eyes the colors were a lot more bright Uh and it feels so good Mm -hmm. to have this free or tension Mm -hmm. this free up of tension
2: Mm -hmm. So would you say, because you were saying it took two years to mm-hmm. get to here, did it start with a change in your relationship within your family? I
1: think it started with the want to understand more about what is causing the um issue. Mm-hmm. And that is that's communication. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So once you got hooked in with Miguel and Dan and I were hooked in with Heather, everything just started to change. But I think it is good for people to realize it's been two years and it's not been just like all of a sudden happiness and rainbows and unicorns. It's been still struggling, but all of us were healthier in the struggle.
1: Yes. It made the struggle bearable, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. Cause I think when you get this much substances on board, it's going to be a struggle period, right? Yeah. And
1: especially that I'm I was still using, you know. Yeah.
2: Do you mind sharing, Beth, what it looked like when you say you had the microscope on him, like what, what you were doing? Oh. Well, I just thought
0: Joey was the problem and I, Supermom, needed to fix it. I felt heroic. I'm like, don't worry, Joey. Mama's got it. I got you. You know, kind of like, da, 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 da. I will come save the day. And I didn't realize that it was a whole family system problem, first of all. And then it wasn't really even a problem to fix. It was relationships to rebuild. Addiction isn't really even the problem. The problem is more the deep trauma and the connection that we were missing. So I was just going after the wrong thing. And it's what our culture tells us to do, really. I mean, I was just doing what parents do. We try to fix our kids and try to make them do what we want them to do. But now I know what I know. I would have
2: done things much differently all along. Yeah. For me, with Helena, I was doing the same thing. I was looking at her as the problem. I needed to fix her. She needed to change. She's causing problems in our family. She's causing chaos in our Mm -hmm. life. It was so much blame instead of looking at why. Why is she doing this? Why is she hurting so bad? Instead, I was saying, why is she hurting us? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why is she doing this to
0: us? Yeah, I felt the same way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Instead of her pain. And I think that a lot of times we miss that, that, that mm-hmm. how much pain the person who's struggling with addiction is in, and that whatever substance they're using is actually helping them medicate that pain. Yeah. And it's actually a solution. It makes sense. If you look at it from that perspective, but I had Helena under the microscope, like, she was like my project, you're the problem. I'm going to fix you. And then we can all be happy again instead of, oh my gosh, our whole family system Mm -hmm. is a problem. (laughs) Everybody needs to work on themselves. We're all Mm -hmm. contributing to this and we're blaming it on you. And that's got to stop today. That was like a year, months of me coming to that realization. Yeah. Well,
0: it must really suck for the the person that's been diagnosed as the problem, because not only do they have whatever issue brought them to the substances in the first place, that core issue, but now they have everybody blaming them for everything. And that must just feel terrible.
1: In my point of view, it's like, yes, I know I am doing something wrong, but you telling me to stop doing what I am doing wrong is not helping me stop doing it wrong
0: yeah sure sure it would make you feel defensive and yeah and
1: it's like you don't know me you really do not know what my life is Mm -hmm. like i i I don't even know what my life is that's what i'm struggling with
0: and at that time you were hiding a lot of things because you knew that we wouldn't be able to tolerate it probably Mm -hmm. but a lot of what you were doing was undercover right
1: yeah everything was undercover it was it was so stressful i bet because i had to to um vape in the like bathroom at home i had to like flush it so you didn't hear the whistle of the vape
0: oh you had to flush while you're vaping yes oh. so it
1: was these little things that people do to hide things yeah we're building up
0: all the time you had to be thinking okay how can i do this how can i get this how can i my mind this?
1: was full and then finally when i had freedom of choice not fully but like of understanding that they're not going to be like really mean to me or hurt me or anything that I can freely think that what I want to do, obviously some things are not right, but I can get those worked on and have a freer mind without having to think about how to lie. The scheming. Exactly.
0: When we all just sort of face the truth of what is right now. Okay. Joey's hooked on a bunch of different substances right now. And we had a, a firm boundary that you're not allowed to use it at our house, but I guess lucky for you. I don't know if this is lucky, but uh, your dad lets you use whatever at his house. Mm-hmm. So you were able to be at your dad's house using substances like you were, yeah. but the hiding went away Yeah. when Jan and I figured out what we were doing a little bit better.
1: Yeah. and I, And I can tell you that I'm smoking still. I will stop smoking for our outings.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like I will communicate when I have a relapse, uh-huh. things like that. So it's, it's not hidden. It's yeah. it, It's like, it feels like we're actually like a, a healthy family. It's not like I'm struggling. They know I'm working at it. Yeah. They're not trying to fix it themselves.
0: Yep. Oh, and I, I remember Heather told me, if possible, don't even talk about drugs, mm-hmm. which was really hard because that's all I would talk about. What are you using? Where are you getting it? What, uh, how much? What, uh, but why aren't you going to rehab? All the time. And so like, what am I going to talk about if you take away drugs? So I don't know what we talked about for a while there. Probably a lot about our animals or something, but I just tried to steer clear. I'm like, Joey's probably using drugs Whatever I say probably won't make any difference in that,
2: but I want to have a relationship with him. So let's find other things to talk about. Yeah. I want to have a relationship with him. That's such an important realization. And it's like, do you want to have a relationship with him or do you want to be right? And sometimes we have to give up what we thought parenting should be, redefine that whole relationship Because everything that I believed about parenting and what it should look like, what my relationship with my daughter should look like, or a lot of it that I was bringing to the table as far as dealing with any kind of problem in our relationship was really pushing us apart. Yeah. And it was not changing any of her behaviors. Right. Right and a lot of it felt wrong like oh my gosh I shouldn't be talking to her this openly about this am I condoning it because I'm talking to her about it
1: it felt awkward the first time we talked about drugs openly uh-huh. it was like healthy it's healthy but it at first it's strange it's so strange and it feels weird because it's like I, I was hiding this so so much and it's now it's like open that I'm doing substances but now you want me to get better and you'll, you'll help me get better. Yeah. It's it's not, I'm going to make you better. It, it's so much better. It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: we probably started with things like what, what are you getting out of whichever substance?
1: Yeah. I think that's what it was. When
0: I read beyond addiction, that's one of the first things is they're getting something out of it. What are they getting out of it?
1: What did I say? Do you remember?
0: It numbs you out basically. Yeah.
1: I think I said it numbs you yeah, out. Yeah. It takes away your pain. I think for the psychedelics, it really gives me fake answers now that I realize mm. I've realized it now that they're fake answers.
0: But you were seeking but answers and I
1: was seeking new stuff. I wasn't learning anything in school. And when I took a substance and it gives me knowledge of uh, that, it convinces me it's giving me knowledge, I get addicted to that. Yeah. And that, that's what. Prop me down.
0: Isn't that like a joke about how everyone seems like a genius when they're high? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. And then when you come back down, you're like, oh, that wasn't that smart.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought I was in my head when I was tripping. I was like Einstein. I was not literally, but I was like talking to my friends about really deep, like rocket science, almost. And then like things to, to like make the world a better place, almost. And then. I come out of it, and they're saying you were speaking in tongues, bro.
0: <laughs> it was just gibberish.
1: It was gibberish.
0: But in your mind, you were like Einstein.
1: Yeah, these things were out of my comprehension to talk to you with now. Like it was like, it was giving me stuff, but stuff that wouldn't help right now. You know? Yeah,
2: it was like an illusion, huh?
1: Exactly. A false reality.
2: Yeah, I can remember Helena trying to talk to me about tell me what it was like when she used lsd and i would just get so disgusted and i wouldn't even entertain the conversation this was early on before i started making changes in myself and coming to um you know more of a place of acceptance so then when i did start trying to talk to her she felt the same way like you were describing joey where she felt like very apprehensive and even all the way to the end, like she would tell me, she would tell me details about so many things. But when it came to drugs, it, she wouldn't get into a lot of details. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was still, even though we'd been working on it for a couple of years trying to open things up, there was still just that element of shame that kept her from mm-hmm. really opening up mm-hmm. about that to mm-hmm. me fully.
1: At this point in my life, with where I am, I've lost. I don't know if it's because I've fried my brain or if it's actually uh, like a good moral I have that I don't care. I'm a free person. People should know my story, should understand the struggles, the real struggles of what like substance abuse is and sounds like and how to make it less of a struggle.
0: Yeah, I think your voice is really important to hear. I think not many people that are in the middle of substances can talk about it very coherently. So yeah. I think I think you have a really unique gift that you can talk about what it's like right in the middle of it.
1: Where I am at at this point is like I want to get better. I want to help others, but I I need some support, and I I don't know. It's kind of starting to drain me out a little bit, but I know that's one low. And that's what I've learned is that it comes up. What comes up? The um, peak of um, getting better. It always, it's a wave.
0: Yeah, Oh, yeah, it is a wave. I was thinking um, one of one of the other things that Heather's taught us is that sobriety for you is not our goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal is connection. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you're on day three of sobriety. And he told me that right before we got on. So I did know just a tiny bit earlier than <laughs> everybody in this Listening to this. Yeah. But I am really proud of myself for not jumping through the roof with joy. I'm
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm very proud of you. And I'm like, yes, good, but mm-hmm. I feel like our energy between us hasn't changed. Uh, yeah. Which I think is a lot of growth.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not treating you any different because you're sober. It's because I'm listening to you. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of you. It's not that you're sober, it's that you're trying.
0: Yeah. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing that. Okay. Okay. Let's get you into AA meetings. Let's get you to, to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to. Yeah. Now that you're sober, you know, I'm, I'm letting you do it how you want to do it because you'll do it your way anyway. Mm-hmm. And our main goal is connection with you. Not that you're sober. Mm-hmm. Your sobriety is your, your business, your decision, your choice. I don't know. I always have trouble with those choice and decision
2: words. Heather, what am I supposed to say? <laughs>
1: What are you supposed to say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't like to narrow it down Mm -hmm. to minimize the complexity of it by calling it Mm -hmm. a choice. But yeah, whatever's right for you. Mm -hmm. There's no one Mm -hmm. size fits all. Mm -hmm. It's not black or white. You know, it's whatever is best for you because addiction in each person Mm -hmm. is so different that it's really important that we don't try to fit people into that one size fits all have that black and white thinking that there's only one way to get sober and you have to do it that way. And if you're not doing it that way, then, uh, you know, I'm freaking out and Beth's freaking out and you're feeling all this pressure again. And then we're right back where we started. (laughs) And when I was thinking that sobriety was the goal, even when you had weeks
0: of sobriety, I was still a nervous wreck because I'm like, I'm just hanging on by my fingernails. Oh my God, when is it going to end? Oh my God, he's going to be like, and it Mm -hmm. didn't bring me peace even when you were sober. So I'm feeling so much different now. I I was at peace yesterday and I'm at peace today. And it's not
1: chaotic
2: anymore. Right. It's just more steady and more even on all Mm -hmm. all parts. And your peace doesn't come from whether Joey is sober or actively using.
0: That's right. My piece is completely separate from Joey. And that's so hard. I don't know. I've heard of people say you're only as happy as your
2: saddest child. That tells that you cannot be doing better than yeah. any of your kids. Like you have to take their temperature to see how you feel.
0: Yeah. And that's really codependency right there. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this by any means. Cause yeah, when Joey's having a real rough time, it's hard on us for sure, but I am mm-hmm. able to separate. Oh, that's Joey having a hard time. I'm okay over here. I'm still okay. And Joey is same thing. You know, maybe yeah. Joey at different times thought he had to be pulled together for us and not just for yeah. his own self. Right.
1: And that's the time where I like would be high around you guys would be like, I shouldn't be high. It's like a dinner or something like that. I I need to compose myself. But, but then I then I get high and it's like, okay.
0: Because you were trying so hard to please us, right? Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. So like, I'm trying so hard to be sober that one dinner, but then it pushes me to do it because then now it's on the dinner and it's like, I have to smoke because of the stress of trying to
0: be good for you guys. Yeah. So we took away that pressure, or most mm-hmm. of it anyway. You probably, yeah. I mean, you probably would guess that we probably wish you weren't using substances.
1: No, yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's I not understand. like,
0: we're like, well, I don't care whatever you do. But, but the pressure to do it for us is gone.
1: Yeah, you wish, that's your wish. You have your own beliefs and your own wants. And that's what you've understood is that it's no longer I can make it my, I can make it my way.
2: Yeah. When I started prioritizing connection over anything with Helena, I really had just come to this place of acceptance that maybe she would never get sober. Like maybe this was all that was ever going to be available to me. And I wanted to have a relationship with her no matter what. And then out of that grew the unconditional love, deeper levels of acceptance of who she was. Right then, Mm -hmm. not who I wanted her to be in the future, who I wish she was from the past, but really just accepting who she was Mm -hmm. right then and not needing her to be anything else for me to fully Mm -hmm. love her and in order to for me to have my own peace of mind. And I mean, of course, when things get really, really bad, we go through phases where we have to do a lot more mind management for ourselves and work on ourselves harder. Um, But at the same time, that knowledge, even that it's my responsibility to work on how I feel every day versus before when I, it wasn't really intentional. I wasn't thinking like you need to be doing better so that I can be happy again. But that's how I was acting. That's what was underneath everything that I was doing. So once I just even knew that, okay, I am 100% responsible for my happiness in my life and putting that on somebody who's already struggling yeah, is mm-hmm. so unfair. That's asking a lot, huh? Yeah. Well, you
0: are such a good example of that. And you taught me that so, so well. And I totally got it. Like, oh, that's the formula. Thank you. Got it. And it yeah. Some
1: parents just don't get it. <laughs>
0: uh, it's, it's a typical thing because, It just turns everything on its head. Mm. I think that's why maybe some parents, I don't know. I can't imagine being confronted with this information and rejecting it. But if they did, it was probably because it's so unusual.
1: Or it's so personal.
0: Oh, 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 yeah, that's true. You have to work on yourself. Oh, Joey, you're so smart. Ding, 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 Mm. ding,
2: Joey. (laughs) Because, I mean, even parents will say to me, like, I don't want to think about this right now because things are kind of okay, right? And so as soon as a little bit of the pressure comes off and I get that, like it's human nature, we want to avoid feeling crappy all the time, but they don't want to work on it because it's gonna bring up that pain and they don't wanna feel it. And I, I mean, I have to say, Beth, like the reason you got such great results is because you were like doing multiple models every day. Yeah. You would send them to me And then you would keep working on them. I mean, you dug in and you did the work. You worked hard on yourself. This wasn't, I don't want to like, it wasn't like you just met me and started talking to me and it was magic. It was work. Yeah, (laughs) that's actually you you did the work that you mean you read the material, you did models in between, you really looked at yourself and went into things that were uncomfortable so that you could show up how you want it to and feel good about yourself.
0: And it is uncomfortable to face the fact that, oh, shoot, it's not just my son. That's a mess. It's me too. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've learned so much because Joey has a lot of attachment issues from his adoption and then my divorce, but so do I. Uh, it's not the same, mm-hmm. but I've realized that I have a lot of attachment issues too. And I'm starting to go down that that road of looking at my early childhood trauma. And it's, it's been really a gift. If I look at it like that, I can't believe I'm saying this after all that we've been through, but it's been a gift for me because if this hadn't all happened, I would have just still been living on the surface of my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling so much healing personally from a lot of different things. So Joey, you took us down this path and I'm really grateful that you did.
1: Yeah. Thank you. No, like, thank you for um, being supportive throughout the um, chaos.
0: Yeah. Sometimes my support, it was well-meaning, but sometimes my support didn't really support you very well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're still here. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm so yeah. glad we are able to talk about it. And yeah, sometimes even yeah. laugh about things and just everything's out in the open. You know, the very first day you were in the psych hospital or maybe the next day, we were all just like, okay, we don't have any Fs left to give. Let's just quit the uh, the faking it and let's just dig in and let's just be honest with yeah. each other. I think that's a really good. I wish we would have done that a couple of years before.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't happen until something happens yeah. to us. Yep.
0: It was easy before to just be sliding through, you know, like, okay, things are pretty good. Yeah, yeah there was building. Though. Yeah,
2: Yeah, you think you're kind of skating through, you know? Mm-hmm. I would have said that I had a good life, that I was successful. And, you know, I look back on that, and I'm like, my life was a mess. You know, I had, there is this something missing inside of me, this, like, I felt unsatisfied, I wasn't able to love fully and openly mm-hmm. and vulnerably and deeply the way I am now. And I knew that was missing in me, but I just had mm-hmm. kind of accepted it, even though I didn't really like it. I didn't, wasn't willing to, to really dig into fixing it. I just kind of glaze over it. I was re- totally yeah. asleep at the wheel of my life. Like yeah, numbed out as numb as I could possibly be and still, you know, managed to really mimic the emotions that I Mm -hmm. knew that other people felt, but I couldn't see that until I felt this intense pain and loss and grief of not having the relationship with Helena. Like, I think that she described it as like, we were just so beat down both of us by the time, like that I was willing to do anything. I just didn't care. Like Mm -hmm. anything, just help me, please. And that's when I just started trying things I would have never tried before. never been willing to do before. I would have never been willing to do the work. Like we talked about how hard it, you worked at it. I worked really hard at it, and but I would have never worked that hard at it before because I wouldn't have given it the credit. Right. I wouldn't have thought that I needed it because I thought I was fine. Yeah. Because
0: when you're able to keep, you know, your job going, your kids doing school. Okay. You know, you just think, okay. <sighs> Doing the dream, you know, living the American Mm -hmm. dream. But yeah, just so so at the surface and so numbed out. I think Heather and you you and I both were workaholics and for our. And I can totally understand Joy's need to numb out because I do the same thing, except Mm -hmm. mine is not going to kill me with the computer. (laughs) Maybe slowly, right? Slowly kills me. It kills my spirit, right? Stress Stress and everything else. but. But it does the same effect. It numbs me out. doesn't make me have to think about the pain. I totally get that. I was going to ask Joy, is there something that I'm making myself pretty vulnerable here? Because I don't know what you're going to say. Is there something that you wish that we could work on to continue to make our relationship better? Is there something that you wish Jan and I would do differently right now? Or is there a way we can support you now that you're off the cannabis?
1: No, I, I don't really think anything. If anything comes up, obviously I'll tell you, I'll be open, but no, not at the moment. Okay. Just the phone calls and knowing that you're going to be there for me. That, that That's all I need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We see each other a couple of times a week
2: <laughs> and. We're always here for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can I just point out how simple his answer was? I asked Helena the same thing when I interviewed her and her answer was really simple too. It was she well she said she appreciated my patience because her emotions went up and down a lot mm-hmm. and my love, mm-hmm. which is similar to what you just said. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. simple. Yep, to support somebody. Mm-hmm. Like that is the most basic thing that we all want and need just to be seen and understood and accepted. Yeah. And there's so much misinformation out there that that's enabling don't allow these things. Don't talk to them. If they're high, don't let them, you know, don't all of these things. And I just, I feel like the word enabling is Mm -hmm. so condemning and it's just a roadblock for parents who are trying to help their kids. Of course, we want to help our kids and support them. I mean, there's, there's a way to learn how to do it, which, you know, is part of what craft teaches is the healthy way to support your kids a way that works. Yeah, But I think that just letting everybody know, like it is okay to love your kids when they're using, doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. like love them the same, show them like, Like Joey just said, like that's what he needs. That's Mm -hmm. what Helena said she needed. And any kid who could be really vulnerable and honest, like they were, would tell you the Mm -hmm. same thing, I think. Mm Yeah. Joey,
0: do you have anything to say about that enabling piece? Like when we started talking to you really frankly about substances or made things more open, did that make you feel like using more drugs or
1: no, it actually I was it's always been me wanting to use drugs it's never been you guys wanting to use drugs but it made me feel like it's not a bad thing and I have to use more drugs to numb that shame feeling
0: yeah so when there's a lot of shame and blame or uh get you into this rehab that rehab that Mm. made you feel shame and blame which made you want to use more but when we took that away it didn't make you quit immediately but it didn't make it worse and make you want to add drugs What about like when I gave you the box of Narcan, did that feel like I was saying, okay, here you go. Use opioids now. Or
1: no, 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 no. I I understand how important Narcan is. I've researched it. I've lost friends because there wasn't Narcan. Mm. So like, I didn't take that as an insult or anything.
0: No, but as enabling or like,
1: no, 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 no. I thought that as protective
2: protective. Yeah. That's why I did it. No,
1: overprotective, but protective.
2: Just the right protective. I used to give Helena Narcan too. And I can remember when she was staying in a hotel room. And, you know, of course, obviously there was other paraphernalia on the bed, but there was Narcan there too. But she was also using alone. Mm. And... I went to this overdose awareness event on Wednesday night last week and shared, Helena and I shared our story and the stigma and everything we've experienced. I got Narcan while I was at the event and it's sitting on my nightstand. And I was just thinking like that could have saved her life. And imagine if it was common for anytime somebody used a loan, Sometimes I see numbers where you can call if you're going to use alone, where if you stop responding, they'll call 911. And I was like, what if it was that common, Just so common that she had said, I'm just going to call this number when I use tonight, because I'm going to be alone Mm -hmm. in this hotel room. It's just such a simple mindset shift, such a simple change. She didn't have to die. And I think that we need a lot of mindset shifts around
1: mm-hmm.
2: how we approach addiction in this old mindset of rock bottom and enabling and, yes. and all of the th- things that we shouldn't do that really yeah. there's no science behind mm-hmm.
0: any of it. Have you heard of those numbers, Joey? If you're by yourself and want to use but want to stay safer? Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. try to find the number and put it in the show notes. Okay. Do you think that would be something you would do? Because a lot of your what? problems with psychedelics particularly, you use by yourself. Mm -hmm. But if there was someone on the other end of a phone...
1: It depends on where I'm at in my drug phase.
0: And you'd have to really trust them and stuff, but...
1: Exactly. Like, if it's just like DXM or something like that, Uh I would definitely want them because I can OD. But if it was like on a psychedelic, I wouldn't because it would make me spiral into a bad trip not knowing them.
2: So it depends what you were using.
0: Yeah. Exactly. But you can get a trip sitter for if you're using LSD or something. Yeah. Don't you usually try to get a trip sitter nowadays?
1: Yeah, usually.
0: Yeah. So you're not alone. Being alone is, yeah, if 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 Helena would have let somebody know she was there
2: or.
1: Yeah, something mm-hmm. just prepared somehow.
2: Yeah, and that should be common. Exactly. Be. But because yeah. of stigma and fear and, you know, I know she was feeling so much shame because she had relapsed and gotten, of course, you know, then she immediately got kicked out of sober living. And there's nothing in our system set up for a person in such a vulnerable position, that is when somebody yeah. is the most vulnerable. There should be another place for them to go. Like if she wanted to, <clears throat> didn't wanna go back into rehab because she didn't wanna lose her job and start over, but she could have had somewhere, she could have gone for a week or two and then moved back into sober living where she still had structure and support and um, didn't yeah. have to feel ashamed. Um. You know, I, I think that that's a big part of why yeah. people don't reach out or talk to anybody, even though, you know, she knows I love her unconditionally, all of those things. she still, she knows still yeah. hard. And so I think that the more we normalize having somebody to talk to, having a number to call, more you know everybody has narcan like i was thinking the other day like those remember when everybody got those aed devices in every business oh yeah i was like narcan should be in every business the same way right like absolutely why isn't it because with all of the overdose deaths every year it would just make sense to me but we've got to change the way people think before those things start happening yeah Mm -hmm. well both of us are our podcasts are all about reducing shame and stigma.
0: That's a huge piece of what we're trying to do. Yeah, because that shame is just, it keeps people isolated and just adds so much to the already there pain, you know? Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Joey, before we close up?
1: I I guess time. It just takes time. Change takes time. And you've got to keep pushing to get to the place where you want to be, but you're never going to be at the place you want to be. So Mm -hmm. you got to keep pushing to be better
0: just keep improving your life. Right. And it's a long haul. It's a marathon. It's not like a quick fix kind of thing.
1: It's not a uh, sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, Joy. You're on the journey and you are learning so much every day. And I'm really proud of you for sharing your story and for um, going along with the the family journey with all of our changes and all of our, all of our ups and downs we've, we've hung together.
1: Yeah. And I'm proud of you for sticking around for all my, BS and
2: stuff. <laughs> I'm here for you. Thank you for being brave and sharing today. I know that's not always easy. And, and, you know, Beth, for you sharing the changes that you made too, because the example that you guys set of a family working together, I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely not perfect at it, but
1: we'll try. we try our best.
2: I think we all know that we're all trying.
0: Yeah. We're all on the same page, at least, and we're all trying to just accept each other where we're at. Mm-hmm. So it feels good. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that conversation between Joey, Heather, and I. Please share the episode with anyone you know who might be struggling with addiction themselves or have somebody in their life that is struggling. We really hope that this craft method becomes much more popular because we really think it works please go check out Heather's podcast as well if you don't already have it on your list. It's called The Living With Your Child's Addiction Podcast with Heather Ross. So check that out. I'll put the link in the notes. And find Safe Home Podcast on all the social media outlets and also on YouTube. We have a Patreon account where you can donate a small amount every month, which helps us maintain our commercial-free episodes plus provides you access to two book clubs and also a support group for adoptive parents so check that out at patreon.com slash safe home thanks again for being here on safe home with all of us and we all want you to stay, stay safe, safe.